Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So, um, will you say your scripture declaration with me together? Lord, we, we honor your word, word to us. us. May your May truth, truth become our heart's pursuit and our lives practice. Now, if I may, I do have one more announcement. Miss Kendall just reminded me that the uh, school age Sunday school classes will be resuming next week. Okay, so over in this area in the classrooms. Um, so that's kindergarten through fourth grade, right? Because fifth through fifth grade. It's kindergarten <laughs> through fifth grade. Over here, it's beginning next week, socially distant, but we're going to be ministering to your school-aged children just like we used to. All right, so bring those kids, bring their mask, and be a part of that. All right. Thank All right. You. Thank you so much, Eric. I appreciate it. And thank you, Nain, uh, Jesus, Kenya. Appreciate your part in the service today. And uh, just let me remind you, you'll get more information on exactly how we're going to be doing that this coming week. But that goes back to the fact that we need to be connected to you. So if you are not receiving our emails, I know that you should have received one last week uh, during the week. So if you did not receive that, we need your correct email address. Well, today we're talking more and going a little further and deeper and in some ways kind of going back. We did have Joshua chapter 1 as a part of our time together once before in our very first service. We talked about Joshua chapter 1, a great passage of scripture, especially if you have decided that you're going to memorize more scripture to get you through some of these fearful times that we're going through. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 where it says, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be Discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I mean, these are kinds of passages and verses that if you hide in your heart, they're going to help you in amazing and wonderful ways. So I encourage you, you can always go back and look in the places that we've been preaching, and I'll even have a couple of those from Romans chapter 8 here in just the next few minutes. But today, as we continue, I want to talk a little bit about where we've been and what we're going to be visiting about today. So October 11th, we had some issues and some problems technically speaking. And so if you did not get that, you can look on our podcast page and hear that the audio version, or you can go back and rewatch that as it has been posted on uh, the October 11th. If you're a subscriber, you know you already received that uh, information that it is there. We talked about fearless parenting on the 18th. And last week, we talked about fearless relationships. And then this week, we are talking about fearless, a new worldview. And I wanna talk a little bit about this concept and this idea of what we're facing this coming week. This coming week is going to be a historical week. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but have you ever really stopped to think about every time we have a, a presidential election that history changes? 
I mean, we're about to elect the next president, and uh, I believe it's number 46 or 47 or something like that. And uh, it is a, an amazing thing to think about, the fact that we are about to be a part of history, and you can even mark it on your calendar. It doesn't catch you by surprise like a, a natural disaster, a Hurricane Harvey or something like that for us. It's literally something on the schedule and on the calendar, but it will change the course of our country's life in some way. Now, here's what we see in this next slide. I just want to kind of share this with you. We've been talking about fearless parenting, and then there's the next slide. If you go to the next one, you can see the information to catch up, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. But as we continue to talk about these things that are coming up in our world and the things that we're going to be doing, we know that it produces fear. And we've been talking a little bit about the word phobos from the New Testament. It is the thing that we get the word phobia from. Sometimes it refers to the idea and the concept of something that maybe even might be just a little out of um, kilter, maybe a little more fear than you ought to have for something such a small thing. I ask a few of you guys questions about your fears, which seem ridiculous to me. I'm not going to lie. And then I told you about my fears, which made perfect sense, uh, no matter what what you say. And uh, isn't it funny how we're like that? Like phobias to you uh, are, are just regular normal things for me and vice versa. But the truth is, is that there's some weird phobias out there. Have you guys known some of the weird phobias? Have y'all heard of some of these? Today, I'm going to introduce you to four that are just weird. Okay. So let's kind of go along here. Let's go to this next slide. So up here in the top left corner, do any of you guys know what that is or what that might be? I've got it written down. It is verminophobia, which is the fear of germs. It's also called being a germaphobe. <laughs> um, they literally call it by a bunch of different names, mis misophobia, bacillophobia, and bacteriophobia. I just call it being a dude. I don't know. I mean, like for me personally, I'm going to make a mess. Shelly's going to be fearful of the mess that I make. I get it. This is just the way it is in my marriage. But there is the, the bacteria phobia up here on the upper left. Over here on the next one, kind of as you go clockwise around the dial, did you know that there is literally the fear of beards? There is literally the fear of beards. It's called Poganophobia, which means fear of beards. Now, this gives new meaning to the term fear the beard if you're a Rockets fan like I am. I don't know if you guys know who this is. This is James Harden. He is our best player for the Rockets. And I don't know why, but when I look at his face sometimes, it looks like his fake beard is wearing a fake beard. I can't figure out how that is real human hair, but it is. Like It's like got all these layers and levels, and it literally looks like it could float a bottle cap for forever. Um, but the great news for guys like me is, is that there's also something called poganophilia, which is the love of beards. So every time Shelly runs her fingers through my beard from this point forward, I'm going to say, man, you're nothing but a poganophiliac. Probably won't be saying that word very often if you know what I'm saying. Okay, so the next one over here on the left, bottom left, do you guys have any guess of what this fear is? The fear of Halloween. The fear of Halloween. I told you guys last night on the... Um, on the Facebook that I would tell on the Facebook post that I put out that I would tell you guys a funny story about my last year. Did any of you guys have like just like 10% of the people that came trick or treating at your house? I had five people in two parties. Like last year, I was the hit. I was like the bomb on my entire block and I had nothing to do with it as usual. Um, but here's what happened. My wife comes home and she's got a big box of these things called Takis. How many of you guys know what Takis are? Do y'all know what Takis are? Of course, all of the middle schoolers and kids know what Takis are. This was the coolest thing. This was like a top five moment of my life, which probably tells you more about my life than I want to say. But I literally gave Takis out to the kids. Shelly was like, trust me, all of the kids love Takis at my school. You're going to be a hit if you give these away. I was like, I don't know. They seem too spicy to me. I don't think the kids are really going to like it. So literally, I open the door and, and they say, trick or treat, you know how they do that monotone, trick or treat, you know, they all sound kind of whiny. Um, and so you literally get these bags of Takis and I start to put them in and they go, oh, you've got Takis. 
And I said, yeah. And so literally, I, like, I give them away quick because A, that means less kids come into my door and I don't have to get up as much. I can sit down and watch TV and not get interrupted. And I don't have any leftovers. So it's a win-win, you know what I mean? So I start piling in the talkies. And so these kids literally run down my driveway and they're screaming at the top of their lungs, running away from my house. They're like, he's got talkies. You know, it was just like hilarious. I was sitting there going, wow, this is all that I had to do to be popular. I wish I would have known this in high school. I could have used some help, right? So this is true. There are people out there that are fearful of Halloween. I can't say this one right. It's Sam, Samnaniaphobia. It's the fear of Halloween. And then this one here on the bottom right, this is your final one. This is literally called poor Porphyrophobia. Porphyrophobia. Do any of y'all know what that is? It is the fear of the color purple. It is the fear of the color purple. Tell me that's not weird, right? That's just weird. So what I did was I put Oprah, who made the movie The Color Purple, in a purple dress. You're welcome if you suffer from the fear of purple. The only way that could have been worse for you is if she would have been singing a duet with the artist formerly known as Prince in that same exact dress, singing the song, Purple Rain, Purple Rain. That's the only way that could have been worse. I probably just sent someone to the hospital today. But this is what phobias do. They don't make sense. They're weird. They're strange. And they make sense to you in your mind because that's just how you're built and how you're designed. And I know that for some of us in the midst of this thing that's going on, it's hard for us to get our footing and it's hard for us to get our bearings. Here's what I would show you very quickly as we go on. Uh, I did want to just, let's just skip the fact that beards are awesome. Um, let's go on to the next slide here. Psychologists say there are 645 different phobias. That's insane. I only have like 300 of them myself. I don't think that the rest are even necessary. Here's what we know. This time is strange for a lot of people, pushing people in different directions. And it's the funniest thing because honestly, I can't peg you and you can't peg me. The truth of the matter is, is that for many of us, we would like to say, well, I know that that person is this kind of person fitting in this kind of camp, and this is what they're afraid of, and this is what they're not afraid of. Here's what I've found. In maybe more than I've ever seen before, our world is segmented in ways that are so tiny. There are some that are all the way on one side of the spectrum and then some that are all the way on the other side of the spectrum. And then there's people all in between and I can't figure out why it's true. I just know that it is. And in this situation, I thought about this and there's like three or four different things that are going on. Maybe you're a person who is thinking to yourself, COVID is the apocalypse, like it's happening. This is the end of the world. There are some of you that think, well, no, COVID is actually a hoax. And then there's everywhere in between. There are some of you who think, you know what? No mask, no service. Everybody ought to be wearing a mask. And there's some of you who are like, nope, no mask. We're from America. Nobody should have to wear a mask if they don't want to wear a mask. And then for some of you, I would say, well, when are you going to take the vaccine if it gets, gets delivered on the 4th of November, one day after election day? Like I think it will. I know. Judge me if you will. But when are you going to take the vaccine? Some are like, man, I'm taking it yesterday. Some of you are like, I'm going to take it, but I'm not going to be the first. And then some of you are going to be like, man, I'm never going to take that thing. Talk about five, 10 years down the road. I might think about it. And the crazy thing is, is that as you put the different people, you might have somebody who think it's, who thinks it's the apocalypse, but then somebody who thinks everybody ought to wear a mask, but they're not trusting of the government so they won't take a, a, a vaccine for at least five more years, you know? So you can't put people in one single camp. People are all over the board. And so all that this has done is show us more and more that it is incredibly easy in our world to feel isolated. Like you didn't need a reminder that it's easy to be isolated, right? Can I get an amen, right? It's just weird. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, you may be in a camp of one. You're the only one who feels the way you feel, and nobody else really does. And you might even feel a lot different than the person that you live with, as crazy as that sounds. 
So how do we get ourselves beyond this fear mentality where we find ourselves at different points on this, uh, on this idea of where we are? Here's what I would say. In our world, in our world today, we need to be very careful and cautious. And I just want to remind you of something. Anxiety is something that many of us feel. If I ask you, are you fearful? You might say, no, 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 I'm not afraid. But you have a low-level feeling of anxiety constantly. And that can be very dangerous. And it can rob you of your peace. And it can definitely rob you of your joy. I'm going to be really, really specific and really, really personal on some things here. I'm going to just tell you that I love my country. And every single election day is part of what I love about living in America and being from America. Now, I know that not all of you are from America, and that is great. I think your presence here makes this a better country. I want to go on the record as saying that and feeling that way. Here's what I believe with all of my heart. I believe that for many of you, you're from somewhere else, and so you don't fully grasp maybe exactly how things are in this country. Now, I am almost 50 years old. I've got just a few months before I turn 50 years old. And I will tell you, I've been through a few of these. I've voted in all of these since I was in, yeah, I guess, a, eligible around age 18. And I will just tell you that I know if you're from somewhere else, you think that whatever the president promises during the lead up to the things that are going to be done here in the next couple of days, that that's exactly what's going to happen if he gets elected. And I'm here to tell you that is not true. We all know that politicians lie. It's called election season. I don't know if they've got like their priest to absolve them or their pastor to say it's okay for them to lie. But no matter which side of the aisle they're on, they're going to lie. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's just the way it is. And I want to tell you about something. There is a phenomenon that you may or may not be aware of, and I want to share it with you. This is not a civics lesson, but you need to understand and be very clear about something. Let's go to this next slide. Have any of you guys ever been to Mount Rushmore before? Mount Rushmore is a beautiful place. It's like a, it's like a temple to these great presidents that we've had in our past. George Washington on the left, Thomas Jefferson one in, Theodore Roosevelt one in, and then in my opinion, Abraham Lincoln is the best president that we've ever had. But I want you to notice something at the bottom of this slide that you may be looking at, or you may be here and looking at. George Washington, in his first term of election, he was elected by 100% of the populace, right? That is the father of our country. But I want you to notice that Thomas Jefferson, the writer of the Constitution of the United States, which has literally held itself and been incredibly flexible and yet powerful for over 200 years, he won by winning 61.5% of the popular vote. So that basically means that if you polled people when Thomas Jefferson was running for president, four out of ten would tell you, I'm for the other guy. Who that other guy is, I have no idea at this point, right? Because he's lost to history. But here, look at Teddy Roosevelt, one of the most popular presidents that we've ever had, one of the four on Mount Rushmore, who won the popular vote of 56.5% of the people in this nation when he was elected in his first term. Or even worse, as I told you already, the first president of the United States, or the best president, in my opinion, of the United States, Abraham Lincoln won 40% of the popular vote. That means that six out of every 10 people said, we want the other guys to be the president, not that guy who ended up being the best out of 46. So I don't know what you think about this nation I had friends that told me, well, if this one gets elected or if that one gets elected, I know this is going to happen. I had friends that asked me questions. Well, what happens if this person gets elected? Will this change? Will this, will this happen to me and to my family? And you know what I would just tell you? I know that they love to make it sound like they make all the decisions, but they don't. The truth of the matter is, is that there's something called Congress, which is made up of two different houses. One is the Senate. One is the House of Representatives. And this is part of why our nation doesn't go back and forth and back and forth. I didn't even talk about the Supreme Court who overrules and overturns laws that have been made into laws, but that are not lawful according to the Constitution. 
So we have the presidential branch, then we have the congressional branch, then we have the Supreme Court. And these three legs of this government keep our nation from being like all the way to the right and then turn around and all the way to the left. And then we go back and forth and we feel like we're never actually able to make progress. It feels like we're slow sometimes, but it definitely in hindsight does give us the understanding that there's stability and our great nation is a great nation because we can't just be taken over by one ideology, be a one person. It is a very important thing that we grasp that. And so I don't want you to be freaking out because whatever happens and whoever gets elected, whichever side of the aisle wins, I'm here to tell you, I know already what's going to happen on Wednesday morning. <laughs> I'm a prophet. It's true. Here's what's going to happen. The sun will rise in the east. It's true. It's true. And guess what else is going to happen? God will still be on the throne and he will be the one who says what happens to this country beyond anybody that got elected on Tuesday. Can I get an amen on that? Right? Amen. Praise God, man. We don't have to freak out and worry. And I'm going to tell you, like, thank you, Lord, for being aware of our nation. And thank you, God, for being involved in our nation and understanding that ultimately, like, it is not about those things which get elected on Tuesday that change my life. It's about the decisions that I make as a person it's how I choose to live my life. It's the person that I give my heart to. It's the people that I give my life to. Those are the things that change my world and change my community. And I'm here to tell you that if Trump wins or if Biden wins or if neither one of those guys win, whoever wins or doesn't win does not matter nearly as much as if God's people who are called by his name would humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways, then he would hear from heaven and heal our land. Like that matters so much more than all these things that we're so worked up about. It is so true. I'm telling you, I, like I'd love an amen, but I don't have to get an amen because I already know it's true. I'm telling you it's true because I've seen thoughts I've had these things that have come to me. Oh, if this person wins, this is going to happen. And if this person wins, this is going to happen. And I've always had it figured out. And then I realized after a few of those, I don't really need to worry. I need to be thinking about what God is going to do. Now, I'm not saying don't be involved. I'm not saying withdraw from the, the situation. I don't think that that is right, accurate, or good. But I do want to just remind you that you do what you can you do your part and then you pray and ask God to do his. And that is all we can do. As we reach out and try to make change in our world, the best thing that we can do is not carry a placard or yell or scream at somebody from across a picket line. It is to get in and love somebody and have a genuine heart-to-heart -heart conversation about the way that God can change a life. That's my opinion. You can take that for whatever it's worth, all right? So here's what I would say. As we look at the fear virus book that we've been talking a little bit about over the last few weeks, we're going to talk about this new worldview where God is at the center of it all, not who we elect or what is going on. And literally, we don't need to worry so much about coronavirus that it paralyzes us in the things that we are doing or choosing to do in our lives. We need to be very, very careful, very, very cautious. You saw, I mean, I literally came up here on the stage with a, a mask on. Here in a minute when I go back there and I donate blood, I'll have that mask on. I'm wearing a mask, no doubt about it, but I also know that ultimately God, I'm in God's hands and that is so important. Here's what we know, speaking of being in God's hands, something to learn for you and for me. According to Ed Young in this book that we just referenced, The Fear Virus, the words God Almighty, and this is not, you know, oh God Almighty, no, we're talking about the God Almighty, the one who is all powerful and all strong and all able. According to the Fear Virus book, he says that that title for God is found in the Bible 345 times. He is God Almighty. He is God Almighty. He is God Almighty. He's God Almighty. He is God Almighty. I just said it five times, and in the Bible it tells us 340 more times that we don't need to be worried about what we can and what we can't do because he is what? God Almighty. 
He is the one who is all strong, all powerful, and all up in your world. He hasn't divorced himself and he hasn't washed his hands of you or me or this world. And by the way, he hasn't washed his hands of this nation either. Sometimes I worry that we're so busy trying to call people back to repentance that we give them no hope whatsoever that God is not done with this nation and he's not. He is not. So if you're a person who needs to know what's going on in your world a little bit, but yet you feel that fear, here's what I would say. Anytime you feel that fear and that anxiety raising within you, I would encourage you to share yourself these three chapter or three uh, verses of scripture from the chapter number eight from Romans. So very quickly, three different ones, 828, 831, and 837. And some of these you may have heard before. And if you didn't hear them, you weren't listening to some of the things that I have preached on, okay? Because we've talked about these before. But if you begin to commit these to memory in the midst of difficult circumstances, you can be reminding yourself of these things. What then shall we say in response to all these things, all these things that we're fearful of? If God is for us, who can be against us? And what then shall we say in response to these other things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Romans 8, 28 is actually not on there. I guess I had a little typo, but he says in all things, we know in all things, God was working together for the good to those that love him and those that are called according to his purpose. He is doing things in your life and mine and in our world. We don't need to lose sight of that. So very quickly, I want to talk about the big idea today, and this is the big idea, and this is something that I've actually shared with you over the last couple of weeks. This big idea is that you outgrow your fear by faith, by facts, and by acts. Have any of you guys ever had that experience where you realize you're feeling fearful, and you just kind of get in that paralyzed place? Where you don't move, you don't make a good decision, you don't make a bad decision because you're not making any decision at all. You're worried to death that you're going to make the wrong one. So you just stay still like, I can't move because I'm paralyzed by my fear. This is true. The way that you and I move forward in our world today and whatever it might be, it's not going to be that we just hit the pause button and say, in my mind, it's March 15th. In my mind, it's March 15th. In my mind, seven months have gone by, but it's still March 15th. No, we have to act. We have to interact. We have to engage in our world. We cannot stop simply because it is difficult. And so here's what we know. By our faith, We outweigh our fears. We grasp that God is bigger, stronger, and more powerful. He is God Almighty. And then we also get the facts because there's so much stuff out there that makes you afraid, makes me afraid. And sometimes it's not even accurate. I would encourage you to go back and listen to some of the very end stories that we shared in this Bible uh, study on fearless And then by action, not by simply standing in the same place over and over and over again. Mark Twain said these words. He said, if you will do the thing that you fear most, the fear or the death of fear is actually certain. And so I don't know what it is about dudes with huge bushy mustaches that makes them so profound. If I could, I would. I can't, so I won't. But still, this is a great quote. Do the thing that you fear the most, and that death of that fear is certain. It's going to go away because you're going to begin to overcome it. Those are the actions that you take. Now, if you don't know this story that Eric referenced a little earlier, I want to take you back and just make sure that you grasp what has been happening and what is going on in that very moment. The Israelites are on the outside of the promised land looking in, and they are about to enter it and conquer it. But if you remember, 40 years of desert wandering has happened between when they left Egypt with God's bringing of the plagues and drowning everyone in the Red Sea. This all happened at the end of the Exodus. And then we see here at the beginning of Joshua, we see that they are about to enter the promised land. 
What actually happened is right after the exodus, they went up to the edge of the promised land and God said, you guys are going to go in. You're going to take advantage of this situation. You're going to win. This is going to be your land. I have promised it to you. And hence the words, the promised land. Now, very quickly, make sure you catch this. 40 years they have been wandering because God said, do this. They said, we will. We went in. We sent spies in and then they looked around and guess what they saw? They saw that there were giant people, giant human beings in that land. They got scared and they said, well, we can't beat those guys. I mean, those guys are big. I'm talking about really big. They all look like Goliath, basically. And they said, we can't do that. And so we're going to turn around and go back the other way. And God was so furious with them. These people where God had shown his power to them and brought them through so many things that can't be explained other than God's hands working on their behalf. God was so furious with them. He said, I'll tell you what, here's the deal. You're going to wander the wilderness for 40 years while all of you who had no faith and just instead embraced your fears You're all going to wander for 40 years. And then the only ones that will actually be included in the generation that enters, one is Joshua and one is Caleb. And these are the two that will go in. And so Joshua leads them in 40 years after when God wanted them to lead in. And the only thing that kept them out, the only thing that kept them out can be summed up in one single word. Y'all know what that word is? Fear. Now, I've been ranting and raving. I can feel it. Like, I can feel it right now. It just got real quiet because I stopped talking and I realized I've been talking really loud and really fast for a few minutes. So let me just take a deep breath. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Like, what is the thing that keeps making you circle around in your life over and over and over again. And what is that thing that you just know? I, I can't ever win over that. I can't overcome that. I, I can never be better than that. What is that thing that grips you so desperately that every time you want to have that joy and that unburdened feeling and that freedom, I start to remember the fear. Do you understand? I mean, literally, like, you understand exactly what's going on in my head. Oh, this is... uh, uh, Right? I mean, literally, it's a physical change in your mindset and body that happens when you allow yourself to be gripped by fear. For you and for me, this happens all the time. For many of us, it began when we were kids, People pouring into our lives things that we did not want, but they poured them in anyway. And we have never gotten to the place where our faith overcomes our fear. We have not got past it with the facts, not got past it with action, not got past it with faith. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to just be very, very honest with you. I've been around people and they've shared some of their darkest and difficult, most difficult circumstances and secrets with me. And about, I'm going to say 75 or 80% of the time, I'm shocked that that person is dealing with any kind of fear or worry in their life. Because from every indication on the outside looking in, I see somebody who's got it all together. Now, I'm just saying this for this reason and this reason alone. For most of us, we're about 90% of the way there. I mean, there are so many things that are just about you embracing the moment. It's not all these great and grand ideas. You don't have to be incredibly smart or incredibly talented or incredibly gifted. But most of us are worried so much about the 10% we don't have that the 90% that we do gets lost in the shuffle and we are controlled by that 10% of fear in our life. For many of us, I don't know why it is, but it paralyzes us and it holds us in a grip of its chains. It is strange. And from a person who's seen it happen over and over and over again, I'm just here to tell you, you're better than that. 
Not only do you serve a God who is bigger than that, you personally are better than that. Don't let that hold you. And I look back on these spies that went in, and I want to talk about very quickly this idea and this concept of letting fear rob you of the thing that God has for you. Very quickly, let's look at what they said when they spoke about what they saw. They said to Joshua, who sent them in, he said, we saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak are co- uh, come from the Nephilim. In other words, they're this really tall race of people. And they said, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Now, if I were a, a lawyer, I'd say, objection, your honor. That's hearsay. You don't even know what's going on in somebody else's mental state. And can I just tell you something? From what I've seen and from what I've heard on the outside looking in and from what I've heard on the backstage parts of what's going on, everybody's afraid of something. And most of the time, we think we're the only one. (laughs) And that's just simply not true. For most of us, we live according to those fears, not knowing that everybody else is gripped by the same exact ones. And so they're saying, we look the same to them. We look like grasshoppers in their sight. They thought that about us. And it's like, hold on, hold on. How do you know what somebody else thinks about you? Let me ask you another quick question I hadn't intended to ask. How many of us are living our entire life according to what we think somebody else thinks about us? Because about half the time, we're wrong. We're dead wrong. We got to be very careful that we don't tell ourselves a lie that we definitely believe. Let's go to this next slide. And this is so powerful. In Joshua chapter one, he is about to send in and they're about to go in and conquer. And the Lord is saying, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. All of these things. They send some spies in to find a foothold and they found Rahab the prostitute's home. They went there. They were spending the night on the roof. And here's what she said whenever they went and they, she covered them up and they were all, you know, underneath these flax and barley and things like that. And they were there being hidden. But she speaks to those spies. And here's what she says is actually happening. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that everyone who lives in this country, we're melting in fear because of you. These are the same guys that were back there telling Joshua, they think we're nothing. And then Rahab's like, we think you're everything, (laughs) right? Isn't that weird how fear lies to us? How we think we've got it all figured out and we just simply do not. It's a powerful lesson if you'll learn it. It could change your life if you will learn it. Here's what Nelson Mandela said. And I just want to be very clear. This is so powerful. If you will learn this lesson. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but the one who conquers that fear. I got to tell you something. You will always be afraid of something. You will always be afraid of someone. That's just the way that it is. It's just the way that it is. That phobia thing that we started with, don't, it's not some surprise. I don't know why we are built that way. It's probably the sin nature in us. But there are things that we fear that we shouldn't fear, but we do. Joshua chapter one, verse two and three. I want to point something out. Moses, my servant is dead, God says to to Joshua. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land. I'm going to give it to them, to the Israelites. I'm I'm going to give you every place where you set your foot, just as I promised Moses. Now I want to go on very quickly and talk about three things about what we see in God. Let's talk about it very quickly. We can have confidence because God is conscious. Notice the very first thing that I just read. Moses, my servant, is dead. Here's what I'm telling you. As I said a little earlier, God is actually the one on the throne. Don't get worried and don't get afraid. Let's skip down to confidence number two real quickly slide number 22 there is let's go to the next one we can have confidence because God is the one who is actually in control we've already talked about this and he says I'm going to make sure that nobody's able to stand against you I'm never going to leave you and never going to forsake you but then let's look at this third one why can we have confidence because God is concerned and I want you to check this out you may be thinking to yourself or maybe even saying well Randy that's fine I know God cares about what's going on in the United States. 
Yeah, I get it. And, and I know that God cares about somebody like Joshua. Yeah, I get it. But notice how he says he is going to be with the personal. Notice how many times he says to Joshua, I'm going to be with you. I am going to be with you. You. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He goes back and forth with Joshua saying, it is about me and you. And can I tell you something? Whether you realize it or grasp it or not, God is intimately involved in your life and he wants to be even more. He is concerned about you. He's not only in control of the world's things that are going on, but he is in concern about the things that you have going on in your life that heed his attention. He is there for you. Very quickly, I'm going to end with 1 Samuel chapter 17 about David and Goliath and then a couple of other things. It's just very quickly. David says to Goliath, that giant, <laughs> that the others were afraid of the giant and he's facing his he says, you're going to come against me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I'm going to come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. <laughs> the Lord Almighty, right? That thing we said at the very beginning. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Here's what I love about David. Little five foot nine David versus nine foot tall Goliath says, I'm bigger than you because I've got God standing with me and on my side. And so I'm not worried about you. You defy the armies. You're the one who should be shaken in your boots. You're the one who should be afraid. We way too often are fearful and afraid, not because it's warranted, but just because we haven't got a clear vision of who God is. And can I just remind you, don't be afraid. God has got you. God has got a plan. He's intimately aware of what's happening in the United States today. He's aware of coronavirus. He's aware of what's going to happen on November 3rd. Whoever gets elected, whatever that happens, don't mind. It does not matter to the Lord because his will is going to be accomplished and his purpose is going to be fulfilled. I believe it with all my heart. Now, I can't tell you what that is. I'm, I'm not actually a prophet, okay? I lied to you a little earlier from right here behind the pulpit. But just remind yourself, whatever is supposed to happen, God will, will be done. Very quickly, let me just remind you of something. I want to show you a picture here as we kind of bring this to a close. That's pretty cool, right? That's a tapestry. You guys know what a tapestry is. It's like a, a woven thing that is kind of able to see. And you see this, and this is the front side of the tapestry. Have any of you guys ever seen the bottom side of a tapestry before? I want to show you the bottom side of this tapestry. It's the same exact tapestry. What a mess. What a mess. I mean, I think your cat coughed one of those up one time, right? Amen. I mean, this is what it looks like when you don't sweep and you have hardwood floors for three weeks, right? Amen. So this is what it looks like from the bottom side looking up. But when you are on the top side looking down, it looks like the crown. And in our world right now, this is what we're living. It seems like chaos is reigning. But I'm here to remind you that God is weaving all of this story that we are living and participating in into his beautiful masterpiece. History is his story. He is bringing about his will even in the craziness of 2020. Don't be afraid. You can live a fearless life if you will have the confidence in the Lord. How do you apply this very quickly? I think you apply this by speaking out to others about how God is in control of it all. And if you are a person who, you know, can, if you can confidently say, you know what, I know that God is in control. The more that you speak it, the more that you will believe it. The more that you speak it, the more that you will feel that. I believe that with all of my heart. Speaking it is a powerful way to bring that thing back to your own remembrance. But maybe you are not that person who can speak out to other people. But here's what I would say. I know that some of you, even today, maybe it's in here and maybe it's online. I don't know. But for some of you, you're hearing me talk about this and you're like, well, Randy, you're, you're just delusional, man. I, I'm sorry. I, I love you. You know, you're a good dude, but you're just delusional. I don't agree. 
you know, we should be deathly afraid. Well, you know, you're wrong. <laughs> okay, you're wrong. Here's what I would say. For some people, no matter how much evidence, no matter how much truth, no matter how much example you show, they will not allow it to be soaked in. They're determined that they need to be afraid and fearful. And here's what I would say. Don't. Don't. Be careful, but don't be fearful. Be a person who says, I'm going to take every precaution, but ultimately, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know who holds tomorrow. And so if you're not speaking out to others, then you may be the person who needs to allow it to soak in for yourself how God is in control of it all, especially if you're the one who is struggling to deal with all that's going on. Well, here's what I know. In my world and in yours, we need to be very careful and cautious that we don't forget <laughs> to rob God of what he is due. And I will just say this without a doubt and beyond all shadow of doubt. I have at times been fearful, not because God was not able, but because I didn't know that I was worthy. The truth of the matter is, is that God's love and his favor, he pours those out sometimes beyond those things that we can even grasp or understand. It's also really important for us to remember that ultimately what we need to worry about are only the things that we can handle. I can't bring a vaccine into, into being. Like, I can't do that. So why do I need to worry about it? It's going to he be here when it gets here. I, I can't heal people. If I could, I'd go down and I'd go to the COVID wards and I'd lay my hands on people and I'd say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk and do away with this. That's not what I can do. Healing comes from the Lord and not from any man. Never forget that. I can't make every bit of fear go away. I can't restore every job that's been lost. I can't change the price of oil and make it where it ought to be around $350 or $4 a gallon instead. Amen, Houston, Texas. But here's what I know. Those things that I can't handle, it's not my responsibility. They're God's. And I'm going to do my part. And I'm going to know that ultimately I'm going to cast my vote. But I need to be praying. And I need to be being the change that we need our world to see in our world. I don't need to carry a picket sign. I need to carry brothers' burdens. I need to carry them to the Lord. I need to go to them and talk to them and make them feel loved and accepted because that is how God made us feel. I could go on and on. Here is what I know. I'm not responsible for what I can't do. I'm responsible for what I can. And Lord, forgive me for the times that I have been fearful when I should have been faithful. And Lord, forgive me when I have been paralyzed to act on behalf of my brother and on your behalf. Here in this world, I am your ambassador because I am your child. Help me to never forget that this world belongs to you. The moment that you're done with history, it will be over and we will be in eternity in your presence. God, help us to never lose sight that we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors through the one who has loved us and given himself for us. God, help us not to be fearful. And whatever is held on Tuesday, we know, Lord, that you will still be on the throne on Wednesday. And God, for that, we take peace into this entire week. May this week bring more hearts to you than ever before. In Jesus' name we pray. These are challenging times. The division and frustration are palpable. The balance is constantly shifting. 
the lines consistently blurred. Truths, half-truths, lies, mixed messages, confusing headlines, all in the middle of a nation whose back has been broken. Hope is drowned out by fear. Peace is muted by chaos. Dreams are crushed by reality. Finding God in the midst of this moment is difficult. As the election draws closer, countless voices will try to sway you one way or the other. Yet your responsibility is simple. Pray earnestly. Seek God passionately. Listen carefully and vote how he leads you. God is sovereign. He always has been. He is faithful. He always will be. And nothing, absolutely nothing happens outside of his providence. This is where we find peace in this moment. Oh my heart to 
God. Praise God. It is all about Jesus. What an awesome sermon, Pastor Randy. Thank you so much. Church family, that is our prayer. It is all about Jesus. Amen. God Almighty. God Almighty. What does that mean? God has all of the might. You think presidents are powerful. You think governments are powerful. You think dictators are powerful. Nothing compares to the power God has. Amen? Created this entire universe in six days. And you think he doesn't have control of what's going on in our world? He's got control. Amen? Amen? Look, elections matter. All right? Governments matter. The things we vote for matter. But it doesn't matter nearly as much as putting Jesus at the center. Putting Jesus at the center. Second Chronicles 7:14. Listen to these words. This is our prayer for this week. Okay? If my people who are called by my name, that's us, shall humble themselves and pray and seek his face, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I will heal their land. God is promising us to heal Amen. the United States of America if we will turn from our wicked ways and seek his face and humble ourselves and pray. All right. So remember what Pastor Randy said, speak out. How can you take action? Speak out. Speak out on God's behalf and remind other people and remind your loved ones that he is in control, that he is in control. Church family, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we've got a a uh, uncertain week coming. Let's put it that way. It's uncertain yet. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know the way the tides of uh, political change are going to go, but we are certain on one thing. We are certain on one thing. We are your children and you are our God and you love us and you want what's best for us. So God, touch the hearts of Americans this week. Touch the hearts of our leaders, of our our pastors of our uh, church uh, uh, leaders and our government leaders touch the hearts so that they can humble themselves and pray to you and seek your face and so we can have our land healed God keep us thinking about these things this week do not allow fear to creep in guard our hearts may we be uh, our hearts and our minds opened and our eyes opened to when fear starts to creep in and may we be reminded that you are in control and that we have nothing to fear. Amen. Amen. All right, church family, you've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. You're dismissed. Thanks, guys. God bless you.